0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. In our It's Personal journey, we uh, met Zacchaeus, remember him, and Zacchaeus taught us that that God knows our name, He knows our need, He knows our past, and we get a camp there today, learning that that Jesus knows our past, and He still pursues us. Okay, like everybody. (laughs) Jesus knows our past, and He still pursues us. He loves us. He cares for us. He goes after us. Isn't that wonderful news this morning? And He knows our potential. Next week we get to step in to the understanding of how much God knows that, that we could be involved with His purposes and His plan and how He has incredible potential for each of us as we marry our lives to His. What a blessing that will be. Uh, I, I love the It's personal focus today about the past. It, it, it takes place in a site that I was able to visit in Israel Steve Crane is my friend, I've gone with him to Israel now three times, and he's gone 21 times, and he's only, out of 21 times, only three times has he been able to visit a place known as Jacob's Well. It's in what, they, what we call Samaria, um, unrest can crop up at any moment, and so it's just very rare that, that the peace is just right, and the, the bus schedule is just perfect, and, and you get to go there. Uh, as we got ready to go to Jacob's well in Samaria, I'd heard about it. I'd read about it in Scripture. They say that the well is so deep that you can drop water and just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, and then you can hear it. It's true, and it's crystal clear, and you can drink it to this day. And it's cold on the hands, and it feels good on the face, especially on a Eastern afternoon. Samir and I talked, he was my guide, and I said, Samir, I, I want to tell our people the story of Jacob's well. It has special significance about getting past our past, and he said, well, it's covered now by a, a church, and there's an Orthodox pastor, and it's a quiet site, and ladies and gentlemen are covered up all over the place, and if you even try to speak, they'll probably stop you. And nonetheless, I said, well, Samir, I think we're going to sing and I'm going to share. I think Jesus wants that. Isn't that great? <laughs> and so we got inside and we, we found the, the, the well and we we put a bucket down all the way down and pulled it up and washed our hands and our face. And oh, it was as cold as they said and it was as deep as they said. Archaeologists love wells. Buildings move. Sands shift. Waters waterways away from the sand, but wells almost never change their location. And we began to sing, I think the song that Teresa led us in was How Great Thou Art. Oh, that girl can sing. And, and God began to touch me, and, and it was such a blessing. And as we got ready to leave, the Orthodox priest stood up, and I go, oh, you blew it now. And he handed me a, a flask of water from Jacob's well. And he'd sealed it with wax with his own hand. and It ended up being a great blessing. Steve Crane and I are not the only ones who don't go there often. Jesus didn't go there often. It wasn't a place that a good rabbi would be seen. The The road, if, if we throw a map on the, the screen, uh, there's a, a great valley that is dividing the nation north to south. And if you wanted to go to uh, Galilee from Judea and the Jerusalem area, it's obvious you'd head straight north, wouldn't you? Except for their bandits on the way. Samaritans were known to rob Jewish people. Uh, Great harm was done to one another as they went. In fact, Jesus one time tried to go through this region, and he was stopped. Can you imagine that? They thought they could stop Jesus, and those who are with Jesus, his disciples, I believe it's Luke who records the incident and says, do you want us to call down fire on them and consume them? Oh, that would be a nice evangelistic strategy. <laughs> and the, the word is that Jesus rebuked them. It's the same word that was given when Jesus rebuked the waves that were ready to destroy his own disciples. It was that protective instinctual, absolutely not kind of voice of Jesus. Jesus doesn't take offense at their offense. And he knows that he has to, to go north to south. But I, I have to reiterate, a good rabbi won't take that route. They will go, you can see a dotted line on the map, and, and they will go all the way uh, across to the right to the, the waterways of the Jordan, and they'll, they'll go up through Jericho, and they'll, they'll go north, and they'll take a, an extra 20 miles. Now, for us, it's, that's 20 minutes, but in walking days, it's a day and a half. How much would you have to hate somebody to walk a day and a half not to go near them? You see, the Samaritans and the Jews, what happened is 600 years before, this is kind of a long family feud, isn't it? 600 years. 600 years before the the Babylonians had come in and they'd captured the area and they took everybody with them captive to Babylon except for the least of these, the poorest of the poor. And then the king of Assyria comes in later and he plants enemy folks Assyrians in the area, and they intermarry, and the religious practices get mixed up with Judaism and the cultures of idols' worship, and so there's no distinguishing between that culture and this culture, and and the Jews begin to hate the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hate the Jews, and Samaria writes its own history book to explain the way things are, and they even create their own place to worship. These people can't stand one another. And, and the lady today that we're going to meet, she goes to Jacob's well at noon, and she's that kind of lady. She's an outcast in the society, and she doesn't have friends anywhere for any reason. And Jesus is going to say, John records it, and Jesus says, I have to go there. I have to go and pursue this lady with a past. So that's where we find ourselves in the passage. It, it's, it's an enormous passage. I hope you, you are ready to stand on your feet for a while because we've got to unpack a, a large scripture this morning because it all relates to this theme, Jesus knows my past and pursues me anyway. Aren't we glad? Let's stand on our feet this morning. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about 12 noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink,' for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food." The woman said to him, "'Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob?' He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, "'Whoever drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again.'" You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him worship must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. He'll straighten it all out. Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am he. You may be seated. So let's be clear. The lady knows that she's unclean. She comes at noon because she doesn't want to be seen by any of the people in her own town. Probably unsafe to be there. Uh, She's struggling with shame, certainly. She's a social outcast. Rabbis don't speak to women in public. And so this lady believes that she's never going to get past her past. She believes that her failures have been fatal and that her past has been poisoned and her present is paralyzed by the things she have done. Certainly God know, has no future for her given what she's done in the past. But there's good news. Jesus knows our past and he pursues us And he knows that we have a future and a hope, and he desires to bring us forgiveness and dissolve away our shame. Hmm. Just that like that woman, it's possible that we can think that our failures are fatal. It's possible that we think we can't get past our past. But there is no sin that the love of Jesus Christ cannot address. And so uh, we see this this lady as she comes to Jesus, uh, he pursues her and he begins to dialogue with her at great risk to himself and his reputation. He just jumps across the line and starts talking to her and and he begins to dialogue with her and she feels this immediate safety in the presence of Jesus. Jesus. I think it's worthy of mentioning when we think about getting past our past and helping others to get past our past that Jesus just has a conversation with her that the fact that Jesus is in a dialogue means that a barrier has been broken down. so it might be that God would call us to to have dialogue with people that Well, frankly, we don't associate with, well, that I'd walk a day and a half to know that, but you don't understand the history of Jesus enters into dialogue with her, and and she's a woman, and he's a Jew, and he's a rabbi, and she's a relational shipwreck. But Jesus crosses the line, and has a dialogue. I love the thing where he begins to talk to her and says, I want to offer you living water. She understands that to be water from a creek, water from a river somewhere, as opposed to stagnant water, still water, maybe even the well water. She's tired of reaching down that far all those hundreds of feet to pull up the bucket of water, and she thinks that Jesus is going to offer Her some kind of replacement because she thinks what she needs will take care of her. And if Jesus, if we keep doing what we're doing, but it's a little bit easier, it'll be okay. Jesus doesn't want to just make it a little bit easier. Jesus wants to change the whole landscape of her life. And does. And so He he begins to talk to her about this life-giving water, and, and he cuts to the chase. He says, Go tell your husband. Don't you love that about Jesus? That he knows just how to get to her. Yeah, just we'll take care of that living water thing. Just go tell him. And she says, I I don't have a husband. She doesn't reveal about her past, she just says, I don't have one. Again, she wasn't lying, but Jesus gets to the core issue, and she's had five husbands. Can you get, can you can we imagine that? My wife can only handle one. five relationships that all went south and everything's a mess and then he, he zeroes in and he says, and the one you now have is not your husband. Uh, in, in Jesus' day, that's a capital offense. She can be stoned for that. Do you notice something about this? Where, where's the transcript that says, and she ran for her life? She got out of there. She bolted. She became quiet. Wh- what I see from the text is that she feels absolutely safe uncovering her life before Jesus. And if Jesus is in us and we are sharing him with the world, then when we deal with people whose life have run off the rails and they find themselves in a shipwreck, could they unveil their life with us and the only thing they feel is safe? Because when it comes to sin, all we care about is seeing Jesus solve the problem. I don't know about you, but for me, there's something to unpack there, that people need to be so safe that they feel no shame with their past. Any of you guys guilt packers? When I was uh, a kid, I found myself at the altar all the time. Big heart, huge shame. I just, anything I did wrong, I felt terribly guilty. I would confess before they caught me. And that's not all bad until it becomes disabling, until we, we begin to carry our shame and it, it can almost become our pride that my sin is worse than anybody else's sin and, and almost an arrogance that, that I should be better than that. Aren't we all made out of the same mud? And I remember one time coming to the altar and just begging God, would you forgive me, would you forgive me, would you forgive me, saying over and over again, And all I heard, I don't hear voices very often, but but if it was a voice, if it wasn't, it sure felt like one. And all I felt were the words I already have. I've already forgiven you. And I was free from guilt by the grace of Jesus' shed blood as my sin was dissolved away. And I love what we see in this story that this lady has this dialogue and she ends up, being able to share her story. In fact, in verse 27 it says just then the disciples came back and they marveled that He was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or who, why are you talking with her? They talked with each other about it but they're sure not going to talk to Him about it. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. She left her water jar. John loves metaphors and and the water jars they carried were much bigger than this, eight pounds per gallon for the water, and she was packing it around, and it represents her old life, and after she met Jesus, she left it behind her. <laughs> yeah! Why? Because as she was talking to Jesus, she knew that she had all kinds of sexual sin in her life, and 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 she gave it to Jesus, and And he took the power of the cross and she probably tried to bring it back up but it was gone when she tried and and Jesus just dissolved it away. Yahoo! I wonder, I mean, John tells us later that if all the things that Jesus said and did were recorded in the book, this book, all the books in the world couldn't contain them but these were written that you believe. I, I think that he picked this story because sexual sin sticks to us in a way that other sins don't because the enemy loves to use shame as an umbrella to beat us over the head with and Jesus loves to to change it into a wonderful platform from which to share his glory. Anybody ever been selfish? Yeah, like, am I the only one? Anybody ever been angry? My kids sometimes remind me of a day I went postal, they call it. Oh, stop laughing, Colton. What about prejudice? The bad thing about prejudice is we don't know we have it when we have it. And when we reveal it, we want to hide it. But Jesus wants to uncover it and get rid of it, right? And stealing? Anybody stolen anything? Am I the only one that's stolen? God bless the three people out there that are with me. And gossip. Gossip. Oh, that juicy morsel that goes out so well and then you just beg to bring it back and it won't come back, right? Dishonesty. Anybody ever had this sin? Like to wear it like a badge? Or how about just letting the cross dissolve it away? I love the way this lady runs into town And she says to the people, let me tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did. And they're snickering to one another. I could tell you everything she ever did. (laughs) But they could not deny the power of the change that Jesus wrought in her life. And we know that we have been healed from our past when shame gives way to our story for his glory. And and I just encourage you today. You may be at the stage of saying, I've got sin in my heart. I've got an answer in the cross. You might be in the crowd today saying, but you don't know what I did and I'd say, I've been to the well. And there's still water in the well. Amen? And Jesus still loves to take away the shame of his children. Any of you got kids? More than three. Any of you, <laughs> any of you got grandkids? You think you're superior. <laughs> Kidding. Anybody love your kids? Yeah. If your kids went off the rail, if they did something scandalous, if they had five spouses, would you stop loving them? Would you hope in your heart because of their awful sin that they would wear a badge of shame all their life? No. Would you not pursue them regardless of their past with a passionate love that would not end even if it cost you your very life Jesus does that and did for us so the message is for all of us isn't it for we are all sinners who have needed saved by the grace of Jesus Christ we are all those who have carried shame I asked my life group about We were studying the Zacchaeus passage, and just at the end, I got off script a minute and I said, hey, could we just talk? I love life groups, by the way. And I said, "Um, let's just go around and talk about how things have changed since we've met Jesus. And every single person in the room, without exception, could talk about dynamic, powerful, permanent, lasting change brought in us, made in us by the power of Jesus Christ and his loving spirit. God loves to change our story for his glory. And so as we, we think about this, as we get ready to take communion, we get to share the message. We get to take people to the well, amen? Jesus' spirit is in us. I, Steve Carter is coming to, to speak on October 27th. He, we're going to start a new series in October called The Invitational Life. And, and Steve Carter was in Bethlehem in the Middle East and he couldn't sleep because of the plane and the, the changeover of time and jet lag. And so he went into Bethlehem and he, he saw a bunch of soldiers in camo gear with big guns in a, a, around a hookah bar. I don't know what a hookah bar is. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> okay, go ahead and laugh at me. I don't know these things. (laughs) Anyway, the Holy Spirit breathed into Steve's heart and said, um, go talk to them. (laughs) He said, "Uh, Lord, I don't really think you want me to go talk to them. They're kind of scary. Jesus doesn't seem to be scared of what we're scared of. And he said, Steve, go talk to them. Steve says, okay, if you want me dead, I'll go. He didn't really see that, but it, what he was feeling. And so he walked over to them, and he did the only thing he knew to do. He said, hi, I'm Steve. And one of the guys says, like, Steven Seagal? And he says, yeah, just like him. Do you know such and such movie? And Steve said, it was a terrible movie, but I happened to watch it. Go, terrible action movies. Anyway, he, he, the guy said, oh, yeah, that, I love that movie. That's my favorite. And he said, are you guys from Bethlehem? And they said, no, we're from... A little town. There's 25,000 Palestinian refugees in a two-square-mile area. That's our home. We're here uh, as soldiers, and we're going back there tomorrow. And and Steve said, "Really? My team. We're we're doing a a tour group over there, and we're going to be in Sychar, Shechem, Nablus, Jacob's Well. Have you ever heard of it? No, we've never heard of it. We're Muslim. We've heard of Jacob, never heard of the Well. He says, "Well, would you like to come to the Well with me?" and so they entered into the the well which the the room holds it's like from from this music stand over you who went to israel isn't it cram and and they they got in that area and he started talking about uh, salam which is arabic for peace and he said to these these soldiers of a different faith and a different culture and we don't mix and they don't mix and and he said would you like some water? And he, he put the water down in the well and they drank from Jacob's well. And, and, and then he said, would you like the peace that Jesus Christ offers? And they said, we've never heard of him. And he said, well, let me tell you about Jesus and how he can give you living water and would you like to accept him? And all of the soldiers that day accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Today as we get ready to take communion, there may be somebody in the crowd that wants to stop defining yourself by your shame. There might be somebody who's never asked Jesus into your life and you would like to just drink from that living water and start a brand new life and say, Jesus, I don't know what it's all about, but I want to start with you. And I want to be your child. And I want my life redefined. And our prayer team, we have prayer team members in that room that would love to pray for you if you'd like to receive Christ. And and a great moment to do that is when we take the elements. You'll be holding on to those elements. The ushers will come. They'll pass out the elements. And we'll hold those until we all have them. And you may have never taken communion before. And you're going to hear the words, my blood shed for you, my body broken for you. That's Jesus' death on the cross for us to forgive our sins because Jesus knows our past and pursues us.